Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory, where we give you a behind the scenes look at our industry and what's happening in our newsroom. I'm Luis Cruz. Comic-Con International is back in person after two years of virtual events and postponed gatherings. With an annual attendance of more than 130,000 people, Comic-Con is the San Diego Convention Center's largest convention. And even if you don't have a badge, there's always plenty for people to do and see outside of the convention. Joining me today to discuss what it's like to cover a live event of this magnitude during a pandemic is Union Tribune Arts and Entertainment Editor, Michael James Rocha, Community Guides and Pacific San Diego Editor, Abby Hamlin, and we begin with Union Tribune Managing Editor, Laura Sacalo. Laura? Thank you, Luis, and welcome to Michael and Abby. Thank you for being here, and thank you, especially during such a busy time, so I appreciate it. And maybe, Michael, we'll start with you. I just wondered if you could perhaps give a brief overview. For those who may not be very familiar with Comic-Con, just a brief overview of what it is and how it's evolved into this mega event in San Diego. Yeah, so Comic-Con started in the 1970s, and it really started as a small gathering of comic book uh, collectors and uh, fans. Um, So it was a very niche type of convention, and it moved around all over town. Um, But there there was a period in the late 90s where it suddenly became a cultural uh, phenomenon, a pop culture phenomenon, really. The one moment that I remember, because I remember sitting in the newsroom, uh, we were covering it, but it really it was more for print at the time. But uh, Angelina Jolie showed up at the convention center, and that was the moment where I can kind of see a moment during the timeline of Comic-Con where the attention that we paid, that we gave the convention changed. Um, Her arrival, I believe it was for SALT, um, really changed the way we covered and the way Hollywood reacted to Comic-Con. After that, we started seeing a lot of celebrities and um, studios come to the convention. Interesting. So it it became less maybe comic book focused or comic focused and, and began to evolve into something a little more, as you said, pop culture related. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So you mentioned how our coverage changed and and that being in your mind, kind of a turning point in the way we approach it. I'm wondering maybe both you and Abby could talk a little bit about uh, how we've covered it in the past and how that's changed through the years and how we cover it now. Sure. Um, when I first started to get to do things around Comic-Con in the newsroom, a lot of it, obviously, in the late 90s were very print driven. Uh, we didn't we had the sign on San Diego at the time. It wasn't as um, the connection between the print side and the online side wasn't basically uh, as strong as we have now. And now it's pretty much the same um, entity. Um, what we had at the time, I thought, was we would put resources behind uh, covering the Comic-Con, but it was really for print. About, I would say, mid-2000s, we started to focus on covering it 
heavily on an online from an online perspective. When we first started, obviously the newsroom was a lot larger. We had a lot more resources to put into it. So what we were trying to do was basically blanket the convention with as many people and photographers as we could. But at the time we were competing with resources like the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, uh, AP, Reuters, a lot of the big entities were there. So what I have found, at least my experience, our stories were not doing as well online because we were one of hundreds of people filing from the convention center. So we really had to shift our focus to figure out how do we cover this because it is the biggest event in San Diego, at least this time of the year, uh, but to the point where it, the content is relevant to our audience but also it resonates beyond you know, San Diego. So it's been, I'll be honest, it's been a, a, a moving target all these years, trying to figure out what to cover, how to cover it. And um, it's been, I don't think we perfected the recipe for covering Comic-Con, uh, at least in, in my time you know, overseeing the coverage. But before we get to Abby, I just wondered if you could talk a little bit, you mentioned you know, early on, this being a more print focused approach versus now the the focus on online. And I wonder just for people listening, what are some specifics that, you know, make a print focused approach versus online? What are what's the difference in the way you think about the stories or think about the coverage for those two platforms? Sure. Obviously, online has a, a lot more uh, real estate. We don't, we're not limited to a certain amount of space when we're writing a story or when we're running photos. Um, my experience with Comic-Con, it is a very visual convention. And the stories that do really well for us are the stories that are very visual. Uh, so we, we tend to run a lot of photography and videos now because that's what people want to see. The other thing that um, I have found is the kinds of stories that do well for us are the guides. And I know this is, uh, Abby will address it in, in a little bit, but we have you know, a lot of tourists coming into town and they need to know what to do, where to go, just kind of an insider's view of San Diego and, and the convention. So through the years, we've try to provide guidance to people attending Comic-Con, guidance uh, about the convention itself and also San Diego, where to eat, uh, you know, things like that, that are uh, helpful for people who are coming to San Diego for the first time. Oh, that's a great segue to, to go to Abby. And Abby, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the, the approach now to, to covering it versus maybe what we've done historically, and what's driven some of those decisions about the approach? Yeah, so I think that, you know, I've been covering Comic-Con in some form or another for the Union Tribune, this is my ninth time. And so I've seen, you know, different variations of how we've done it. Uh, we did a live blog in 2019, for example, with, you know, brief updates coming out of the convention center. And I think I would echo what Michael said about the challenge to strike the balance between we have this massive pop culture Hollywood convention where all the national entertainment outlets are covering it, but we're the local newspaper. 
So we are obviously trying to keep locals in mind, keep our readers in mind. And uh, on that front, uh, I have been uh, working on this guides initiative where we want to be providing our readers uh, these really valuable guides to everything from things to eat to things to do to hiking and um, just something where when you're a subscriber, you get this really extra added value to all the expertise and all the information we have to provide packaged in a nice way for to help you, you know, live and thrive in San Diego. So when it comes to Comic-Con, we have something kind of like what Michael was saying, a downtown guide that's uh, on our site right now for, you know, the convention center is right there downtown. So it tells you where to eat, some things you can do in your free time. But on the subject of striking that balance between the national and the local, uh, we did a guide this year on local comic bookshops. Um, and, and we also had a business story that you can read on San Diego Union Tribune.com. But, um, you know, these big, this convention, as Michael said, used to be something small and something focused on the comic books and something really intimate. And now it's just massive. So we kind of wanted to see, you know, does it overshadow the comic book stores in town? Do they get a boost from this? Uh, what can, if you can't go to Comic-Con, what can you kind of do to get involved? Or if you're a local comic book lover, you know, what is there for you? So I think that uh, comic book shop guide uh, is exactly kind of what we're talking about there. And that lasts beyond the um, the convention happening this weekend. And you can go visit those any time of the year. So, yeah, I think just thinking through what is actually valuable to our readers, what do they want to know? Um, one of our most popular things every year is what to do without a badge. So we have a guide up right now on all the really cool, uh, some paid, but mostly free things you can do. Uh, everything from going on a pirate ship to drink an IPA to Palmicon, which is, it happened last weekend, but you could take your dog and, you know, dress it up and your cat. Um, so definitely trying to find a way to share this convention with our local readers, but, you know, make it accessible. And I think these guides are a nice way to connect those dots. Yeah, that's that's great. Thank you, Abby. And, and I wonder, you know, you mentioned all of the various things going on, both inside and outside the convention, it, many of these things going on simultaneously. So I wonder from the two of you, from your perspectives, how do you decide what to cover? It, there's There's a wealth of things. We've got you know, a fair number of, of people participating in, in the coverage, but obviously they can't be everywhere. So what what helps you prioritize what to cover and how to align those resources uh, during the, the actual convention itself? The, the challenge obviously is uh, we are up against a massive, massive, convention that we can't cover, um, you know, every corner of it. So leading up to it, and we're at the mercy of Comic-Con when they release the schedule and they release it a week uh, before the convention. So for a while before, we're basically kind of guessing what we'll be covering. When they release the schedules, we're able to pinpoint specifically what we want to do. What we found though, and this is more from a resource standpoint, if you're sending someone to cover a panel because it's a, the biggest panel of the day, that person is pretty much stuck in line or in that room for a big duration of that day. So it's not really the biggest bang for our buck. 
So what we found is we identify things like Abby said, identify things that will resonate with our readers, will resonate with some of the people who, you know, look to us for information uh, and then figure out what's the best way to uh, get that story out there. And for us this year, the other day we did uh, two of our reporters tried different activations, those immersive experiences in the gas lamp. And that's been doing well since we posted it yesterday. Uh, people are reading it. I'm not quite sure I have to dig deeper into the analytics to figure out if the traffic is coming from within San Diego or from outside San Diego. Um, but those are the kinds of things that we try to look for. Um, it's very challenging to commit one individual to a room because they're pretty much stuck there the entire day. That's what I found in the past. We are sending someone to Hall H, uh, the biggest hall on Saturday. Um, later in the day, uh, it's the Marvel uh, panel, and that panel is expected to be the biggest panel of the entire convention. So I did kind of uh, bend my rules a little bit and park someone in that hall on Saturday. Yeah, just following up, just back to that striking that balance. I mean, we're having some of the biggest celebrities in the world coming to our city, you know, for a weekend. You can't really ignore that that's happening. I think one of the examples is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's been tweeting up a storm about how he's going to be in San Diego. It's all over his Instagram. So, you know, I think we want to make our readers aware that that's happening. And obviously Marvel is one of the biggest entertainment entities in the world. And they're right here making huge announcements downtown in our city. So, you know, we're trying not to ignore that that's happening. We're trying to acknowledge it. Um, but I also want to put in a mention for some of the local San, San Diego comic book creators that are highlighted throughout the panel. Uh, we have a column with a local creator and um, comic book uh, publisher, Keith and Jones right now. He's one of the special guests at Comic-Con this year. He's a local. Um, we are, we, there was a panel celebrating um, the black innovation and Afrofuturism where we had two SDSU professors who are experts in those areas uh, speaking on that uh, Thursday at Comic-Con. And then um, we also, there was a celebration of those intimate early El Cortez hotel days of Comic-Con. And we also sent a reporter to cover that. So those are those kind of local angles that we definitely want to highlight in addition to those Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Lord of the Rings and Walking Dead type stories. So again, it's a daily struggle to strike that balance, but I think we try and keep the readers that we have in our local community in mind most of all. Oh, and I think you you bring up a, a good point, Abby. You know, one of my questions was how you think about the various audiences uh, as you're weighing your decisions. And Abby, you mentioned trying to find those stories that are truly local stories. You know, we are a, a local news organization. So in the midst of, you know, this big international pop culture event, how do you find those stories that uh, are specific to, to San Diego and really might resonate more with our, our local subscribers and readers? Um, well, you know, luckily our, our, we have a resources in the newsroom, people who are uh, hooked into the community and the pop culture community. So they've been able to identify the types of people and stories that would we would be able to cover during the convention itself. 
But a lot of it really is trying to, I know Abby's uh, very active on social media, trying to, you know, dig through uh, what's out there in social media to try to identify the people and uh, the events and uh, panels that have that local connection. Um, but it is not an easy, you know, thing to try and juggle that uh, between the print component and then our online coverage. And then there are days when uh, you just have to change your plans because something happens at the convention center. A few years ago, um, there was an unfortunate event where someone um, uh, was killed in a traffic accident across from the convention center. And, you know, when, when that happens, you have to shift gears and figure out where you put your resources to get that news out there. Um, you know, fortunately, that does not happen um, all the time. So we can focus on the convention itself. But you do have to be prepared to uh, shift uh, your attention if something happens. This year, uh, we prepared by giving badges to people who don't normally cover uh, Comic-Con, uh, specifically uh, members of the COPS team, because we felt like if something happened, uh, God forbid, at the convention uh, that was not, you know, expected and we needed to, to cover it from a news standpoint, we would have people who can go in there and, and cover it. So you always have to think, uh, kind of prepare for the worst, uh, and hopefully it doesn't happen. I would follow that up by saying, I think I try and think of it as two different things. One, if you're going and you're a local, here's what you need to know. We want to give you all the tips and info and detail we can. Or if you're not going, you still might be curious about this spectacle that's going on downtown. I mean, just the costumes alone that people are walking around in, they're, they spend months on them. They're elaborate. They're studio quality. Um, so if you can't make it downtown, and you're curious, we try and cover that too. So we have these amazing photo galleries and we just try and capture kind of the spirit of what's going on. Um, and I think some people either decide to avoid downtown during this or they see some of that and say, oh, we should go check it out. Cause you can just walk around and have absolutely no plan and still really see something that is just kind of miraculous in our downtown area. Honestly, it kind of transforms and it's pretty amazing to see. So, you know, we do the best we can to show that and share that. So my, Michael, you mentioned the kind of the popularity of the more visual stories. And I'm, I'm wondering kind of as a last uh, question to the two of you, what are the things that seem to resonate uh, best in, in the coverage? And has that changed over time? Have, have you seen that evolve along with the, the convention itself? the kinds of things that people are most interested in? It, I've noticed in the last few years, the uh, people coming in costumes, uh, which is, uh, I had to learn this a few years ago, cosplaying, uh, what that term meant. Um, I have seen this, the number of people uh, attending the convention or walking around downtown in costumes has really changed the whole vibe of the uh, convention and the area uh, around the convention center. Um, the other thing that I have seen uh, is it seems like at some point in the last few years, Hollywood decided that this was a very cheap way to promote 
uh, cheaper anyway, uh, to promote their movies, their TV shows. We're seeing a lot more streaming companies this year. So they're putting a lot of their resources uh, into Comic-Con because for a few days, the entire world's attention, at least pop culturally, is on San Diego in this convention. Now, I know that several Comic-Cons have popped up all over the nation. There's uh, Disney has started its own Comic-Con. Marvel has its own Comic-Con. But San Diego's convention is still the largest, so it's not something that they can ignore. That's really, to me, the biggest difference is just the when you go downtown now and most of the hotels are wrapped around promotional um, material for different uh, movies or streaming shows that did not exist before. Um, what resonates with our uh, online readers? The visual stuff, photos and videos. And I know in the last few years, we've uh, put a lot more resource, resources to our video um, component and that really uh, does well. Um, but really people like when, if they're attending the convention, and their day is done, they're sitting in their hotel room, they're clicking through those photo galleries, uh, what they miss during the day. And uh, so for us, um, we do a lot of photos and photo galleries and videos in addition to writing stories. But when we look at the numbers at the end of the convention, it's those photos and visual uh, elements that uh, do really well for us. And that said, this year we have taken that on board and decided to cover it with these kind of daily roundups of things that we saw. So this year we've done it for preview night and we did it for Thursday and we're going to do it for Friday. And that can be anything from some amazing cosplayer that we saw to something unique on the convention center uh, in the, in the exhibit hall of the convention center, excuse me, uh, to, you know, uh, surprises and um, the, different kind of visual elements that are down there so we're trying to kind of package those and present those in a way that are like i said if you can't make it down you still get to kind of see what it was like and if you do make it down there you're probably pretty busy and need to catch up on some of that stuff later so definitely i would echo michael the visuals are big well thank you both especially at this super busy time and uh, appreciate the kind of peek behind the scenes at our comic-con coverage and with that, I'll turn it back to Luis. Thank you, Laura, Michael, and Abby. To check out all the action-packed stories, photos, and videos from this year's Comic-Con convention, log on to SanDiegoUnionTribune.com slash comic hyphen con. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. Don't forget to listen to San Diego News Fix with Christy Totten for an in-depth look at local stories making headlines throughout the week. You can find San Diego News Fix wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism. Have a great day, everybody.